G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You might be familiar with the headlines about the Program for International Student Assessments. There are some headlines today that are shocking. Australian school kids performing at a record low standard in reading, maths and science despite a $20 billion boost in funding. You might have your own thoughts about that, and perhaps we can hear some of those uh, if you wanted to respond on our Facebook page. But let's invite Dr. Kevin Donnelly into a conversation. He's only got a short time today. He's in demand. As you might understand, he leads the Education Standards Institute. Not Afraid of Straight Talking, written a bunch of books all about the dumbing down of our education system. So very appropriate, Kevin Donnelly, to have you as a guest today just to share for a few minutes. Uh, Welcome along, Kevin. Always a pleasure, and sorry I've had to cut this one short. Uh, We'll do a rain check and we'll get you another day on the issues of political correctness. But, Kevin, uh, the the breaking news overnight, uh, it's a little bit like a like a knife in the back for Australia's education system, not something that will have taken you by surprise, but how did you uh, react with those headlines this morning? Well, you're right. Uh, I warned about uh, what was happening in terms of the curriculum being dumbed down and standards falling uh, over 20 years ago. And in a book uh, back then, Why Our Schools Are Failing, I talked about the fact that Such was the uh, nature of Australian education compared to many overseas countries that standards would fall and today's results have proven me correct. I'll give one example in mathematics and this is only one test but it reflects a broader problem. In 2003 in the international PISA test, Australian 15-year-old came 10, number 10 in the ranking. Over the years, that's gone from 10 to 12 to 13 to 19. And today, we're now ranked 25 in mathematics compared to over 70 other countries around the world. And we're below the average. And so there's a significant problem that notwithstanding the additional billions of dollars spent and all the different innovations and programs being pushed on schools, in mathematics... We've gone backwards, similarly with reading and science. Kevin, the Chinese have really excelled here. And uh, we might ask, is this because other countries have gotten better at what they do and we have not, we've gotten worse? Uh, Or is it a case that those other countries aren't really doing it better, it's just that we've gotten worse anyway? Uh, What are your thoughts? It's, It's a mixture of that. I mean... There are countries uh, like Singapore, Japan, Hong Kong, uh, South Korea. They generally do very well because, and we can't always compare education systems, but they do very well for a range of reasons. Singapore, for example, it's a nation state. It's very 
homogenous in its population and its language. Australia, obviously, is very different to Singapore. We have far more challenges in terms of being a federation with state and federal governments uh, involved in education. We have a far more diverse population. But when you look at some of those Asian countries and some of the ones that we used to outperform, like New Zealand and Canada, they have a different approach to the curriculum. They uh, focus on what's essential, unlike our curriculum, and I reviewed the national curriculum, as you know. Our curriculum, as the Americans would say, is a mile wide and an inch deep. It's very superficial. It's also very politically correct. I mean, our, our kids spend a lot more time looking at Indigenous, environmental, uh, Asian, even gender and sexuality, the Safe Schools Program. Our, our, our curriculum is very politically correct, very superficial, and we don't focus on what's essential. Uh, and that's part of the problem. And, of course, on this program, we've been critical before of just how significant the political correctness is that's infiltrated into our schools. Uh, you're saying here that other nations don't have that same thrust and they've got decluttered curriculums and they're focusing on those things that are essential. Is there a decluttering that's necessary in our own curriculums here in Australia? Absolutely, and uh, it was a disappointment that uh, Christopher Pine was the education minister uh, we reported to, and he failed to do anything to implement the recommendations. So we've really wasted five years in terms of starting to turn things around. The other problem here is that our classrooms in Australia, compared to overseas countries, we have a much higher rate of disruption, badly behaved students, Teachers cannot often control the classroom. And part of the problem here is that unlike Singapore or Japan or Finland, some of the European countries, we moved away from teachers actually taking control of the classroom, having what they call explicit teaching, where the teacher uh, is very clear and precise in what they expect. We've moved towards this more open classroom uh, process approach where students take control. It's not unusual to go to a primary school now and see 20 or 30 children sitting on the floor with a laptop, whereas overseas countries have a more traditional system. So you've got a decluttering of the curriculum and you've got to revisit the idea that there needs to be an orderliness or a discipline in the classroom. And sometimes you use that word discipline and people assume you want to bring back corporal punishment. But uh, but clearly, as I mentioned, uh, the $20 billion boost in funding hasn't delivered. So it's not a matter of just throwing money at the problem. It isn't. And... Uh there was a, a report from the OECD just a month ago that showed comparatively our teachers and school leaders are well paid. Uh, also, our schools are well resourced. We've been, as you said, spending additional billions of dollars, especially to overcome disadvantage, but it hasn't worked. And as I say, the curriculum needs to be decluttered. We need to focus on what's essential. We need to get back to in the early years, to teaching uh, in, a, in a more traditional way, using memorisation, rote learning. Kids need to memorise their times tables. They need to memorise poetry or ballads. Uh, 
if you don't understand it automatically, then it's very difficult for young people to actually be creative or to att uh, attempt something more abstract. So we need to get back to that style of teaching, which they have overseas. I've always argued you've got a very good computer. It's sitting on your shoulders. We need to actually program young people's brains, if you like, rather than relying on technology. Kevin, aware that time is tight and you've got to go, but uh, just quickly here, uh, how do you turn a big ship around? Um, obviously, you've got to change it with a rudder somewhere, uh, changing direction. I know you'll be talking about this a lot today in mainstream media all over the nation. People will be wanting to hear your impressions about these sorts of things. Uh, but, of course, the PISA is an international measurement, isn't it, of how students are equipped to be able to take on the real-life challenges that they're going to face. So if we're not preparing our students to be able to take on the real world and to keep us at the cutting edge, uh, something's got to change. So how long would it take to change? Is it something that if you do change something fundamentally, there can be a dynamic impact? What are your thoughts here? Well, uh, we recommended in our National Curriculum Review that we cut back the curriculum, uh, say, by half, and you give schools greater flexibility at the local level, uh, I mean, that could be done within a year. It might take teachers a bit of time to uh, get used to it, to, to uh, become accustomed. But if the government, the federal government, the state territory ministers were to agree next week, and in fact they are meeting next week, to actually cut back the curriculum, that could be done very quickly. There are other problems, though. It's a bit like an oil tanker, very hard to stop, very hard to turn. It takes a long time. And an example of that would be teacher, what I call teacher training. A lot of uh, teachers, beginning teachers, are not properly equipped when they go in the classroom. They're not able to control the classroom in terms of discipline. Uh, in primary, for example... A lot of teachers have not been taught phonics and phonemic awareness. They've uh, been taught this whole language approach where kids are told to look and guess. So it would take three or four years, I imagine, to really look carefully at what's happening in teacher training and make sure it is based on the evidence about what works. As you say, state education ministers meeting next week and ultimately it takes a very strong political will. It'll take real leadership to actually, as you say, cut the curriculum by half and undoubtedly uh, that would stir up a hornet's nest uh, from all of those who are in the politically correct side of things because we were going to talk about that today and we're going to rain check that and talk about that on another day. But, uh, but there's a lot of uh, opposition, undoubtedly, if someone has the leadership and the political will to cut the curriculum by half. We need to do that. And uh, if I can just uh, make a few comments about the book, it was launched last week in Sydney, uh, uh, the Politically Correct Dictionary and Guide, and it's selling very well. And I was amazed just before the book was published, there was a survey by the ABC and a lot of their listeners and viewers are left of centre, progressive, but even 68% of those who responded to the ABC survey were fed up with political correctness and felt that it was going too far in stifling debate, 
in destroying our language, in uh, really intimidating people and imposing this cultural left groupthink in areas like gender and sexuality, multiculturalism. So the book is selling very well and uh, very timely because with uh, the case of Margaret Court, obviously people are arguing she should not be celebrated this year uh, in Melbourne because of her views about same-sex marriage. You only have to look at Israel Folau in terms of losing his position with the Australian rugby team to see that the way political correctness is now being enforced is very dangerous. Well, I want to point people to get a hold of this new book of yours, A Politically Correct Dictionary and Guide, and uh, no doubt people will be able to get that at any good bookstore. Uh, Kevin Donnelly, you lead the Education Standards Institute. Uh, no doubt there'll be people looking for the articles that you'll be writing about today's announcement right. so far as the things that are going on, and uh, we'll be looking for you on uh, some of the media you'll be talking to today. Kevin Donnelly? And uh, just if I could... Uh... Yep. The distribution is not 100% with the book. So if your listeners wanted to buy a copy, if they go to my webpage, Kevin Donnelly, one word, kevindonnelly.com.au, they can order it. kevindonnelly.com.au. And uh, Kevin, always a pleasure talking. A deeper conversation coming about your book, but thank you so much for taking this little time today uh, to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. No, thank you for, for being so uh, considerate. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.